Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. I love that song, What a Beautiful Name. Um, I was just impacted again, uh, just by what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. And I, I love that Annie, you know, wherever she is, she just, you know, she shouts and she does that. Because, you know, we're a church who's passionate about the name of Jesus. And Andy mentioned the stuff that's happened in Manchester. There's a million things happening at the moment. But remember this, he has no rival. Yeah. He has no equal. He's still going to be the greatest name. He's the biggest name. He's not, in, you know, he's not on his throne biting his nails thinking what's going to happen next. He knows what's happening. He's in control. Let's not forget that. See, the enemy might try to take things away. He might try to scare us. But you know what? Let's remember that Jesus is still in charge and he's still on the throne. Hey, we're in this frequency series, as Andy may have mentioned just then. And I, I don't know about you, but I found it so good. I found it just really challenging. I found it really practical as well. Covered some amazing subjects. And I'm, this morning, I'm going to finish that off. So we're going to go to our key verse in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6. It says this. I'm reading from the message version. We, of course, have plenty of wisdom to pass on to you once you get your feet on firm spiritual ground. But it's not popular wisdom, the fashionable wisdom of high-priced experts that will be out of date in a year or so. God's wisdom is something mysterious that goes deep into the interior of his purposes. You don't find it lying around on the surface. It's not the latest message, but more like the oldest. What God determined is the way to bring out his best in us long before we ever arrived on the scene. The experts of our day haven't a clue about what his eternal plan is. If they had, they wouldn't have killed the master of this God-designed life on a cross. That's why we have this scripture text. No one's ever seen or heard anything quite like this, never so much as imagined anything quite like it, what God has arranged for those who love him. But you've seen and heard it because God by his spirit has brought it all out into the open before you. The spirit, not content to flit around on the surface, dives into the depths of God and brings out what God planned all along. Whoever knows what you're thinking and planning except you yourself, the same with God except that he not only knows what he's thinking, but he lets us in on it. God offers a full report on the gifts of life and salvation that he's given us. We don't have to rely on the world's guesses and opinions. We didn't learn this by reading books or going to school. We learned it from God, who taught us person to person through Jesus, and we're passing it on to you in the same first-hand personal way. I love these words of Paul. What Paul is saying, he's communicating really what we've been communicating in this frequency series. He says, look, the wisdom of the world is okay, but the wisdom of God is better. Saying these these high-priced experts, you know, with this fashionable wisdom rising up day in, day out, but we don't want that wisdom. We want the wisdom of God. I don't know about you, but it seems to me that the world's a bit confused at the moment. Confused about which way to vote, confused about what to think on Brexit, confused about what to think on moral issues, confused about things like have happened this week in Manchester. The world seems confused. People don't know which way to live their lives. People don't know which way to go. And I think this is partly down to the fact that we have got a new expert every day. On the news, you can tune into the news as a new expert every single day with a, with a new theory on creation, with a new theory on the sea, with a new theory on space, with a new theory about what you should eat and what you shouldn't eat. You know what I'm saying? You know, one, eat, one day you eat bacon, next day you eat bacon, you're going to die. <laughs> you know what it's like? 
But I think this leads, these experts coming up day in, day out, contradicting each other a lot of the time, this leads to people being confused. And we're kind of like, what do I do? What do I eat? What, which way do I vote? Which way should I you know, kind of vote in this upcoming election? We don't know. We're confused. I think the world's confused. See, we get into a mess when we listen to the experts of the day over the creator of heaven and earth. See, this frequency series is about tuning out from the noise of the day and tuning in to the voice of God. I want the wisdom of God, not the wisdom of the world. I love how Paul says it. He says, this is not the new fashionable wisdom. This is more like the wisdom that has been there since the world began. You know, wisdom that doesn't run out, wisdom that doesn't expire. That's the kind of wisdom that I want God speaking to my life. So this morning, we're going to look at how to cultivate the right environment for spiritual disciplines. And you might know or you might not know that to be disciplined really is to do something on a regular basis. Now, when I say the word discipline for you, you might already be squirming because discipline to you it you know, reminds you of being told off at school or it might remind you of that time you went to the gym and it was the worst thing ever. You woke up the next day and you, there was muscles there that you didn't even know were there. But I believe this, that discipline creates a platform for freedom. I believe the more disciplined we are in our lives, the higher, the higher ability we have to function as God called us to. Nothing has ever been done of significance without people making discipline a friend and pressing in to all that they're called to do. If you want to do anything of significance with your life, it's going to take discipline. Like the people who go to the gym. We've got John T at the back. He's the fittest man in Derby. If you ask him to show, uh, show you his abs later on, he will do that. <laughs> John T, just on the front door, mate. But as someone like John T knows, someone who's fit and healthy and looks good, if you want to get into that shape, if you want to live that healthy life, it takes discipline, day in, day out, eating right, going to the gym, working hard. And you know what? There's pain with that as well. Because it takes pain to jump on that treadmill sometimes. It takes pain to lift those new level of weights that you're lifting. But the discipline creates health. And it's the same, even more so with our spiritual disciplines, that the more we commit to spending time with God, the more we commit to praying, the more we commit to being in our Bibles, the healthier in God that we become. I find the more I become like Jesus and the closer I am to Jesus, the more I become like the person I was meant to be. See, when we spend time with God, it's not like he's adding to our character. It's more like he's revealing our character. He's revealing who we were meant to be when he ordained our lives before the world began. God doesn't want to change you into someone else. He wants to change you into you. And that's the funny thing about this. When I was a kid, I got this nickname from my football team. My first football team, like eight years of age. I got this nickname and it was Motormouth. Right, the audacity of some people. I don't know how they came to that conclusion. But they gave me this nickname, Motormouth, and I think it was because I talked a lot on the pitch, but also I talked a lot off the pitch as well. And they gave me this name because, yeah, I like a chat, fair enough. But something I hate as I've grown up is one-sided conversations. Anybody else? 
like I call it having your ear bashed. <laughs> you know, you know, you've been in one of those conversations where it just you just need a break. <laughs> like, please give me a second. Hello. <laughs> I hate one-sided conversations. And because, you know, you get to that conversation, that person just talks and talks and talks. And really what they're saying is this. All they're bothered about is what they're doing. They're really pleased with what ha- what's happening in their lives. But really what they're saying, kind of, is that they're not that bothered about you, yeah? yeah the funny thing is this. We do it with God. We are like motor mouth with God at times. We talk, we talk, we talk. We think that everything that we've got to say is the greatest thing. We talk like what we've got to say is really important, but maybe God is standing on the other side of the conversation saying, hey, I want to speak to you. Listen to me. Take a second and listen to what I've got to say. Spiritual disciplines were never meant to be a monologue. They were supposed to set us up for a dialogue with the living God. This is a two-way conversation. This is a relationship. If you're new in this place this morning, we don't purvey religion here. We purvey a relationship with the living God. You get to know Jesus. John 15 verse 4, it says this. Remain in me as I also remain in you. This is Jesus speaking. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now, I know if you're a Christian in this place, you would probably say, yes, Josh, I want to remain in God. I want to have this relationship with God. I want to remain in the vine. See, the way we do that is through spiritual disciplines. The way we get to remain in God is through spiritual disciplines. They keep us in contact with God. Each morning when I come to God, it's like hitting the reset button. I don't know about you, but in my day, a lot goes off. In a week, a lot goes off. Good stuff, bad stuff. In a month, a lot goes off. But when I come to God at the start of the day, I get to recalibrate. I get to tune back into his frequency. See, God wants to do this with us each day. As we get back in tune with him, we tune out from the noise of the world and tune in to the voice of God. See, if you're getting confused, the best way to beat confusion is by hearing his voice. See, I said the start of the day because I believe the start of the day is important for coming to God. Throughout the Bible, it's clear that God wants our first. He asked for our first fruits. He asked for the firstborn of the cattle of the Israelites. He asked to be first in our life. God wants our first. See, I believe that it's really important for God to be the first thing in my day. I want God to be the first words on my mouth when I wake up in the morning. I want, I want God help me to be the first thought in my mind as I wake up. I want him to be first. See, because when I put him first, I believe the rest of the day just falls into place. Yeah, I want to put him first. I believe where you go first is where you place your value. Yeah. I want my value to be in God, so I go to him first. Yeah. Where do you go first? Do you go to BBC Sport? Do you go to your emails? Do you go to Facebook? Where you go first is where you place your value. As I mentioned, we're talking about cultivating the right environment for spiritual disciplines this morning. Now, who knows environment matters? Yeah, yeah environment matters, okay? If you, I mean, we've got a lot of romantic guys in Arena Church. We, we have. 
Wow, the ladies did not make one noise when I said that. <laughs> We've got some romantic guys in arena, okay? And what you guys know is this, that if you want to set a romantic environment for your wife, for your lady, what you don't do is this. You do not f- put the football on, okay? You don't sit back and put your dirty feet up on the couch. You don't crack a can open on your belly. <laughs> the b- can's like there and you've got crisps all over you. That's not the way to cultivate a good atmosphere and a good environment for a romantic setting with your wife. Now, what you do know, my friend Jay Trividy is a romantic man. I know it. I can see it all over him. You can hear the noises at the back there. (laughs) Helen's not actually in, so this is good for him. But what you do do if you're a romantic guy is you, you dim the lights down low. This is what I've heard anyway. Helen heard me speak this at Mansfield last week, and she's like, you have literally never done this for me. (laughs) You turn, you turn the lights down low. You might light a few candles from the Yankee Candle Company. You know, that beautiful cinnamon smell. You might put some music on, you know, Barry White. Hey, baby, I love you, you know. <laughs> might get the wine out and you have a drink. See, environment matters. And as we talk about spiritual disciplines this morning, our environment is really important. So we're going to move straight into it. And the first thing is this, when we create an environment for spiritual disciplines, the right setting. Luke 5 verse 15 and 16 says this. Yet the news about him, again Jesus, spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. We know that we can talk to God anywhere, but having a regular appointment with God is vital. See, this should be a regular place where you and God get to spend time alone. We call this the secret place. Jesus modeled this. See, the crowds wanted Jesus. You've got to know Jesus was a busy man. People wanted him to put on another conference. People wanted him to preach another message. People wanted to spend time with him. People wanted him to, pray, uh, him to pray for them. All this stuff. But Jesus knew this, that he was unfruitful if he didn't spend time with his father. He got away to lonely places and prayed. So you might have loads of... Loads of people calling on your time, trying to pull on your time. Those colleagues at work, that family member, those friends, whoever it may be. But listen, you have to get away from the crowd, get away from the noise of the world so that you can spend time with God and you can hear from God. You might say, but Joshua, I speak to God throughout the day. That's great. But listen, remember, this is a relationship. And if I only spoke to my wife, Helen, throughout the day, we would have no depth of relationship. Because you know what it's like. I text my wife in the day, say, miss you, babe, and and that kind of stuff, because I'm a romantic man. (laughs) But the thing is, you know, even if I speak to my wife in the day, the reality is a lot of the time I'm wrapped up in the busyness of my day. I'm, I'm just, you know, moving on. I'm thinking about what's next. So that's good. That's okay. But we'd have no depth of relationship. The place where our relationship goes deep is in the intimate places, where we get time to spend just me and Helen, where we tell each other about the, the, you know, the, our hopes and our dreams, the successes and the fails in our life. We get to be open and honest. That's where a relationship goes deep. So we have to do the same with God. We have to find an intimate place where we can just be with God in his presence. Our hopes, our dreams, our fails, our hurts. 
we can be open and honest. See, the secret place is where we go deep with God. We're completely open and we allow him to speak to us. See, the way I do the secret place is this. Practically, I, I go downstairs, I, I go into my, uh, my dining room, I sit at my dining room table, I can be quiet there. It's a place where there's not much noise in the morning. I put the kettle on and like the dining room is a place that's quite nice. I, I really like it and I love to be there and I look forward to go there in the morning. See, when we're creating the right setting, get in a place that you like, get in a place where you can be quiet, Get in a place where it can just be you and God. See, what's really important is making an appointment with God. We make appointments with all kinds of people, don't we? We make appointments with our work colleagues. We make appointments with our friends. We make appointments with loads of people. But we forget to make an appointment with God. So often he, he falls off of our schedule. Make an appointment with God. See, don't fit, your, fit God around your schedule fit your schedule around God. See, God can't be first in your life if you can't spend 15 minutes with him in a day. Sorry. If we can't give God of our time, of our personal time, he cannot be first in our lives. I know that might hurt to hear, but it's the fact, it's true. And if we want to show God that he's first in our life, we have to put time aside each day to spend with him, to go deep with him, to get to know him. A few years ago, Christian came to me. It was right at the start of the Mansfield journey. We were doing, we were in the One Call Stadium. I can remember it right like to this day. It's probably five years ago. He came to me and went, Josh, what's, what's changed? And he's known me for a long time. And what Christian didn't know is this, that like the six months prior to that, I dedicated to the secret place. I dedicated spending time with God. I dedicated to doing this on a daily basis, to spending time with God. And I'd change because of it. See, I find that when I'm in the secret place, that I'm a better dad. I'm a better husband. I'm a better leader. I'm a better colleague. I'm a better friend. See, the secret place will transform your public life. You'll be transformed from inside out. Because you're meeting the living God. Next is this, the right approach. I don't know if you've ever been around people who kind of get to tell God what to do. (laughs) I've been around a few of them in my life. They seem to be able to tell God what to do. Like, God, you need to do this. God, you need to do that. God, go and do this. It's almost like God's like Manuel from Faulty Towers. And when they ring the bell, like God has to go. See, how ridiculous is this approach that we, we you know, think that we can get to command God what to do? Doesn't the Bible say that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts higher than our thoughts? How arrogant for us to think that we can tell God what to do. See, when we come with the right approach, I believe the right approach is coming humbly to God with an acknowledgement of his greatness. That God, you know what? I'm, I'm quite, there's no kind of issue with me about who's greatest in this relationship. You're number one and I'm number two. You are the Lord of my life. The right approach is coming to God and acknowledging that, his great, that he is great, that he is the one who's in control, that he is the one who I'm going to give the reins of my life to. The right approach is coming humbly. See, we also have to come honestly to God. As a human race, we put facades on, don't we? You might be struggling this morning and probably a few people have said, how are you doing? You've gone, yeah, I'm great. That's what we do. 
We put facades on, but listen, we can't do this with God. You can't trick God. You can't trick God into, into you know, like thinking that you've got it all together. God knows you inside out. He knows our innermost being, the Bible says. So when we come to God, we come openly and honestly. I read something years ago that said, be really honest with God about your weaknesses, about your failures, about your sin. So I come each day and I'm dead honest with God. And what I've found is this, that as I'm honest about those darkest parts in my soul, that his light begins to transform them and soften them and redeem them. Let's be open and honest with God. See, we come to God with boldness and confidence, not arrogance and pride. Boldness and confidence is seated in how great he is. Arrogance and pride is seated in how great I am. We get to come to God with boldness and confidence because of what Jesus did for us. We get to come boldly because when God looks at us, he sees what Jesus did for us on the cross. So I can come boldly and say, God, please, I need you to help me. We come with boldness and confidence, not arrogance and pride. I was reading Psalms the other, the other day and I won't be able to quote it word for word, but David says something like this. He says, why are you downcast on my soul? And it's good to come to God and be honest about where you are that you're struggling. But listen, the right approach always has faith to it. There's always faith to our interaction. David, what did he do? The resolution is this, but I will trust in you, God. The right approach is always coming with faith. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. Next, we speak and we listen. I think we find it pretty hard to talk to God at times but frankly we find it weird to listen like we just don't get it you know sitting there kind of speaking God (laughs) but you see again this is a discipline and this is something I really struggled with when I first started getting into it but what I do now is I just sit there and ask God to speak to me see any great relationship there is speaking and there is listening and we have to do the same in equal amounts it's so key to cultivating a relationship with God see my spiritual disciplines look like this when I come down in the morning the first thing I'll do is I'll open my Bible and say God speak to me speak to me through your word and what will happen is this he'll start to highlight things in my bio. I'll read something and it's not like, hey Josh, you need to read that again. It's not quite like that. It's more like I read something and I just know that's for me. So what I'll do is I'll highlight it, I'll underline it, I'll circle it, I'll write it in my journal, whatever. After I've read my Bible, what I'll do is, like I said, I'll sit there and I'll say, God, speak to me. And what's really hard at this point, it can be really hard to kind of lose your focus and lose your attention and you build that up over time. But I just say, God, speak to me. I call it something, well, people call it focusing your attention on God. I sit there and I let him speak to me. And like I said, I've never heard his audible voice. But what I have experienced is what the Bible calls a still small voice. Just that guiding of God. I find that when I'm in the secret place, when, I'm, when I listen, I find that I'm refreshed. I'm find, I find that I'm recharged. I find that something is just happening within me, even though I can't always communicate what that is. I then move on and I pray. And my prayer has a bit of a structure as well. 
First thing I do is I acknowledge God. So I, I worship him, but not through song. So I say, God, you're amazing. You're the God who, who uh, opens blind eyes. You're the God who makes deaf ears here. I acknowledge his greatness. The next thing I do is I confess my sin. So as I said, I'm dead honest with God. Every day I do this. I say, God, sorry for that attitude. Sorry for that thought. Whatever it may be, show me where I need to get better in my life. And if you're here this morning and you're running away from God and you're running away from your Bible and you don't feel like you can pray because there's a weight of sin on your life, that's called condemnation. The Bible said this, there is no condemnation in Christ. You know what? Jesus died so that you didn't have to go through that. The best thing you can do is run straight back to Jesus and straight back to your Bible when you mess up. See, there's not condemnation in Christ, but what there is and the Holy Spirit does is this, he convicts us. He convicts us in condemnation. You know condemnation because condemnation leads you away from God, whereas conviction leads you to him. See, conviction leads me back to God to say, God, I'm so sorry. God, I've messed up again, but Lord, I know that you have died for my sins. Look, get this in your head. Jesus just didn't just die for what you have done in the past. Jesus also died for what you, you're going to do in the future. That's huge. So after I've done that, I've confessed my sin, I thank him. I thank him for his, for, well, for his greatness. I thank him for my family. I thank him for, for you guys. I thank him for the stuff he's given me. Isn't it so important to be thankful? And then finally, I bring my request before him. I kind of ask him to, to help my business. I ask him to, to do great stuff in, in arena. I ask him to, to bless my family, whatever that may be. See, maybe God's trying to say something to you, but because you're surrounded by noise or forever speaking, you aren't hearing what he's saying. Christian outlined the 15 by 30 challenge to us. 15 minutes a day, 30 days. And if you're doing that, great, keep going. But if you aren't, please take it seriously. Start each day, 15 minutes with God, spending time in his presence. And I guarantee after 30 days, you'll be different. Because everything he touches, he changes. And God wants to spend time with you. God wants to know you. He wants a relationship with you. Finally, the right heart. For cultivating a great environment for spiritual disciplines, we have to come with the right heart. John 5 verse 19 says this. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son does also. See, Jesus' heart wasn't, I can do this on my own. Jesus' heart was this, I need the father. I need the father's leading. I need the father's voice. And I only do what the father tells me to do. See, the best environment for spiritual disciplines is a heart that realises I can't do this on my own. I can't do this on my own. That's the best environment for spiritual disciplines. See, when you realise you can't do it on your own, spiritual disciplines aren't optional, they're essential. We need them. They fuel our day. We realise that without getting to God each day, we cannot function how we need to. Philippians 4.13 says this, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I think we get that a bit wrong times, at times. I think we just go, I can do all, all this. I can do all this. 
I can set up that business. I can make it happen. I can drum up a bit of success. See, I don't believe that that's a successful way to live. I don't believe that's a great way to live. I don't believe that's the God-ordained way to live. I think you might be able to get through life a little bit like that. But what is so important to that verse is what follows that. I can do all this through Christ. You've got to realise that we can't do anything without his breath in our lungs. We, can't, we wouldn't have been able to do anything without his grace, without his favour, without him making us, without him creating us. The gifts I've got, they came from him. The family I've got, it came from him. It all came from God. I can do all this through him, through Christ, who gives me strength. See, we have to humble ourselves and remember it is all through Christ. See, if we're going to see thousands transformed, it will only be through Christ. If we want to see Ilkeston changed, it will only be through Christ. If you want your family transformed, it will be through Christ. If you need God to come through in that situation, it won't be through you, it will be through Christ. See, that is the biggest point I will share this morning, that it's all through Christ. If we want to see our area transformed, we must commit to spiritual disciplines because they are the fuel that fires us up. See, as Paul said, there's plenty of experts in the world bringing this new wisdom, talking about the new wisdom, talking about their new idea. I don't believe our world needs that. I believe our world needs the wisdom of God. See, the world needs people who are going to rise up with the wisdom of God and will then communicate that to this generation. Your workplace needs the wisdom of God. This town needs the wisdom of God. Your family need the wisdom of God. The schools need the wisdom of God. The hospitals need the wisdom of God. See, we might have lots of clever people running around, but it's nothing compared to the wisdom of God. You might, in worldly concerns, you might really think you're a bit, a bit stupid, a bit thick. But listen, God uses stupid things to change the world. We've seen that in the past and he'll do it again. God uses the lowly things to transform places. And I believe as you open yourself up to God, say, God, I'm serious about getting to know you. God, I'm serious about spending time with you. He'll begin to transform you from the inside out and he will give you something to say. See, I don't want to come up here this morning and give you Josh. I want to try and give you God. Now, that doesn't always work because I get in the way. But that's the way it should be. You know, the best we have to give is Jesus. The best you've got to give is not you. Unfortunately, you might be great, but the best you've got to give is what's in you, and that's Jesus. I want to go throughout my day, and I want to give people Jesus. I want people to see Jesus. I want people to get to know Jesus through knowing me. Will you commit to the secret place for this generation? Will you commit to the secret place for this town? For your friends, for that family member, whoever it may be, will you commit to the secret place? Could we just stand up? And if you do me a favour, we're just going to close our eyes and, and bow our heads. You're not praying, you're giving people the privacy. And first of all, if you don't know Jesus today, if you're not a Christian and you've been here this morning, you've felt something, you've seen something different, I want to tell you this. God wants to know you. Jesus died so that he could have a relationship with you. Jesus wants to know you. And this morning, if you say, Josh, actually, I want to see what that means. I, I, I want to give my life to Jesus. If that's you today, I'd just like you to lift your hand up now. 
No one's looking around. It's just between you and God. If you want to know God, you want to get to know God this morning, just lift your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else this morning, you want to get to know God. You want to give your life to Jesus. Great. God, we thank you for these ladies who've lifted their hands to get to know you, to invite you into their lives. Father, I pray as they walk out of this place today, they would know that you're with with them. God, they would know that as they give you their sin, as they confess their sin, that you forgive them, Jesus. Lord, and as they walk away from this place, I pray that they would commit to knowing you, commit to getting to know you on a daily basis in your name. Now I want to ask, Again, let's keep our heads bowed, eyes closed because I want to ask this morning, if you're a Christian, if you're a Jesus follower and you'd admit, to be fair, Josh, I'm actually not committing to spiritual disciplines. I'm not spending time with God, but I want to. I want him to transform me in the secret place. If that's you this morning, I'm not even going to look around for this because I know that you know, this might be a bit of a, a scary one for some people, but if that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to lift your hands as a sign to God that God, I want to get to know you again. Father, I want to pick up spiritual disciplines. Come on, all around this place. I'm not even looking up. No one looking up, please. Jesus. Jesus. So God, you see the hands raised. God, now pray. Holy Spirit, that you would add fuel to the fire of these people who've lifted their hands to get to know you. Father, your big idea was a relationship with us. I pray, Father, that these guys would commit to having a relationship with you, that they would commit to knowing you, that they would commit to going deep with you. Lord, and as they do this, Father, that you would transform them from the inside out, but not just for them to be transformed, but for our world to be transformed. God, we want to be transformed for you so that we can transform this world. God, I pray that you would do it in us. We just don't want to build bums on seats here. God, we want to change our town for you. God, we've got a vision to see people saved and reformed and changed by you. We love you and we honor you, God. Amen.